0: Our New Testament lesson comes from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, verses 13 through 20. Let us listen for the word of the Lord. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. People do not light a lamp and put it under the bushel basket. Rather, they put it on the lampstand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. Greetings, Second Presbyterian Church siblings. I greet you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. It is such a delight to be with you on this Lord's Day as we celebrate the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, the the first Sunday in Black History Month. I'm reminded of the words from John S. Mbiti, who is a Kenyan philosopher and theologian. And he says, I am because we are. And since we are, therefore I am. So on behalf of the Presbytery of the James, I want to thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness in serving this community. Thank you for your generosity and your continued support of the Presbytery of the James and its ministries. I wouldn't be here if it were not for you all. So thanks be to God for Second Presbyterian Church. Let us pray. Loving and kind God, we ask that you be present in our speaking and in our listening. That the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. For truly, O God, you are my strength, my redeemer. In your holy name we pray. Amen. I want to say a special hello to those who are listening via live stream, especially my wife and my sister-in-love, Reverend Dr. Amantha Barbie and Montressa Barbie Watkins. They both have COVID. Yeah. And so... Hey, y'all, feel better. <laughs> so in this season of so much controversy and division in our society, it's a risk to talk about controversial topics. But I'm going to take that risk today. Because sometimes you just have to speak up and, and, and stand up for what you believe in. And so with that being said, I, I, I'm going to broached a very sensitive subject with grace, but with a lot of conviction. And I recognize that, that even mentioning this subject is going to alienate some of you, and we could just simply agree to disagree. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with my heart. I'm going to go with my convic- conviction. I'm going to share my truth. So first of all, I, I was raised in the South. I'm a southerner. I'm unapologetically a southerner. With the exception of 18 months of my life, I lived in Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, and now Virginia. So now, at this age, almost 30 years of ordained ministry, I will unapologetically, unequivocally stand up on the mountain and say this to you as the lead presbyter for vision and collaboration for the Presbytery of the James, sugar does not go on grits. <laughs> grits only need salt and pepper and butter. No sugar. Can I get an amen? Amen. <laughs> and the scripture for today reinforces this. It says you are the salt of the earth, not the sugar of the earth. Now, if this has been offensive to you, I'm not sorry. Because I had to say it. Now, you can govern yourselves accordingly. But as for me and my house, we choose salt and pepper, not sugar, on our grits. Amen. Amen. Yeah, yeah. So Matthew's gospel, we... It's where we enter. Jesus is, is, is continuing his sermon from the mountain. And what he offers us are images of identity. What he gives us is literally a standard by which we can show up in the world. Today's sermon is titled Setting the Standard. So a standard is, is, a, is a level that, that when decided, something should be equal to to or greater than, a standard. For example, if you expect your child to get a B grade or better in their classes, that's a standard that you have for them. So to set a standard for something means to decide what the standard is going to be. In this text, we hear the interpretation of Jesus' words as he says, you are the salt of the earth. In the Old Testament, salt directly connected people in Israelite worship as it relates to the covenant of salt. Salt, in its most common usage, is intended as a seasoning, which adds flavor to food. Salt is a mineral composed primarily of sodium chloride. Remember that from our chemistry classes. Salt is essential for life in general and saltiness is one of the basic human tastes. According to the Institute of Medicine Committee on Strategies to Reduce Sodium Intake, salt is one of the oldest and most ubiquitous food seasonings as is known to uniformly improve the taste perception of food, including otherwise unpalatable food like grits. (laughs) Salting, brining, pickling. These are some of the ancient and important methods of food preservation. In 2 Kings, Elisha performs one of his first miracles by using salt to make a spring wholesome again. What this says to us is that salt has a a purifying and even life-giving attribute. No wonder, Jesus says, but if the salt has lost its saltiness, it's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. So there are two questions I believe we have to wrestle with as the church, as, as the body of Christ... A number 1 have we lived up to the standard of being salt and light in the world and B number 2 have we lost our saltiness our taste our influence so the, the make believe pseudo chemist in me knows this pure salt cannot lose its flavor now it can be watered down but it cannot lose its flavor so metaphorically, if, if God, has revealed through Jesus Christ, is the purest form of salt, then Jesus will never lose his flavor. But we are not pure salt. We are, at best, a, a salty solution mixed with some other ingredients, like sin. Other mim- minerals that repel rather than attract. We are filled with bitter herbs sometimes that often overpower our saltiness. We're filled with aromatics that can even disguise our salt and light to the point of putting our light under a bushel so that no one can distinguish our witness in life-giving ways. Oh, but as I began to dig a little bit deeper and I think about the analogy of being salt and light, I began to think more about the ways that salt is used. In antiquity, uh, salt was cast on the burnt offering and was part of the incense. Part of the temple offering included salt. Salt was widely and variably used as a symbol and sacred sign in ancient Israel. Numbers chapter 18 verse 19 and 2 Chronicles 13 and 5 illustrate salt as a covenant of friendship. So Matthew 5.13 refers to Jesus' disciples as the salt of the earth. The writer goes on to say in Matthew, utilizing the symbolism of light to the world, that we are the light of the world. Salt and light passages talk of the duality of roles in the disciples to be a light from a city, viewable to all the world and to be spread out as salt is to come together then and spread. But let's look a little bit more closely to these questions posited earlier. Are we living up to the standard of being salt and light? Or have we lost our saltiness, our our taste, our influence? Influence. Now that's That's a buzzword for our current times. In Forbes' article written by Diana Boer, she writes, business circles are buzzing these days about influence. Who has it? Who lacks it? And why people need it? See, often the conversations sound as if influence were a commodity that you can buy at a local store or install on your laptop, although it's not that easy, though. People have more influence than they realize. They simply fail to recognize opportunities to exercise it. She continues by saying, far too many people walk in the shadows. That is, they think they can't influence other without having a better education or having a larger title or having a more prestigious position or in the whole long, long, long list of accomplishments, better connections. And the list goes on and on till the break of dawn. Some of y'all got that. The world offers disqualifiers about the church to undermine our influence. And, beloved, that just ain't so. Yes, the church, we are not pure salt nor pure light. Fact is, is our saltiness can fluctuate between lack of flavor or extremely briny to the point where no one can consume it. The church can sometimes be too little and sometimes too much. So the most poignant question is this, how do we uphold the standard? When I was growing up, I remember when my father was actually diagnosed with high blood pressure and from that point on, the whole family started using a salt substitute. We went from the blue Morton salt jar to the light blue one, Morton light salt. And I discovered this Morton-like salt mixture contained just regular old table salt, but it also had potassium chloride, which actually cuts the overall sodium content in half. Still salty, but not pure salt. So now as my culinary inclinations have matured, and now that I really actually enjoy cooking, my horizons have expanded immensely. I can literally go to Penzi's Spices and spend my whole paycheck. (laughs) Because there are just so many things, so many spices. There are so many things that add flavor to our food, even without salt. In 2016, I was diagnosed with thyroid cancer. And one of the treatments is taking radioactive iodine. The preparation for that treatment requires the patient to eliminate iodized salt, dairy, and seafood from their diet in order to deplete the body as much as possible of iodized salt. Then, of course, you take this radioactive pill that comes in this huge container and it looks like smoke is billowing from it, and I say, you want me to swallow that, right? But what happens is when it enters your body, it's like Pac-Man, and it distributes radiation to all of those places that are iodine deficient, which is where those thyroid cancerous cells are. What I was able to find out, though, is that sea salt does not contain iodine. It was fascinating. Then I began to look at labels, because there I'm looking at labels and saying, does this have iodized salt in it? But salt is almost in everything. Salt is in Coca-Cola, for goodness sake. Why? Because salt preserves. But now there are just all... Kinds of salts, kosher salt and sea salt and Celtic cross and pink Himalayan salt and black salt and red salt and truffle salt. Gosh, I sound like bubble from Forest Gump. All kinds of salt. And the latest is green salt. I said, wait a minute, salt is not supposed to be green. But this salt has chlorophyll and vitamin B and potassium and magnesium and all of these salts make claims of making you a better person. Salt substitutes have been around for ages. And if I could just push this metaphor just a little bit more. We as human beings have engaged in some substitutions in place of real salt. We have replaced social media for relationships. We have replaced texting and emails for real live conversations. We have replaced intimacy with casual encounters and hookups. We are called to be salt and light to the world. In the aforementioned article in Forbes, the author offers us what I would say are some hints of how we can uphold the standard and, and be the salt and light to the world. She offers three characteristic traits, and I believe that when embodied, they will allow us to be salt and light in a bland and shadowed world. The first is consistency. See, too often the the body of Christ lacks consistency. People hesitate and oftentimes don't listen to the voices of folks who don't walk their talk. Folks want to know that what you do matches up with who you are. And of course, people make mistakes and and misjudgments. No one is perfect, but, but witnessing a fundamental disconnect between the image of what someone puts out in public and then their lifestyle in private creates alienation. That disconnect destroys church. We're wondering why. People are saying, I don't want a part of that if it makes things look like the way you behave. We are called to bear witness to Jesus Christ with our words, with our thoughts, with our actions. That is the responsibility of discipleship. We have to know our identity and claim it. Secondly, we must have empathy. To be salt and light in a broken and fearful world requires us to have empathy. People of influence, saltiness, listen with open Minds and open hearts. They can understand another person's point of view. You may disagree with another person's viewpoints and opinions, but you can at least understand where that person is coming from. And empathy gives gives us perspective and, and allows us to identify with other people's needs and their goals and their dreams. Daniel Goldman identifies three types of empathy. He says there's cognitive empathy, the ability to understand another's perspective. There's emotional empathy, the ability to physically feel what another person feels. And then there's the the empathetic concern, the ability to sense what another person needs from you. But finally, there's courage. Being salt and light requires courage. Your ideas and opinions don't count for much unless you have the courage to speak up and to speak out. We have to take the opportunity to show up when and where it matters. Lou Hamer's famous quote from 1964, the Democratic Convention, she said, I am sick and tired of being sick and tired. She was a tough, in-your-face, tell-it-like-it-is presence who spoke truth to power and stood up to the white power structure that ruled the state of Mississippi. You see, I believe the, the church is called to take up our cross, and live for Jesus with courage and hope. And so, beloved, we have to do our homework and and gather the facts and then take action on the injustices we see around us. We have to listen to other people so that we can be present with our siblings who are hurting, marginalized, and traumatized by fear. I am so proud of this congregation. You have fully embraced being a Matthew 25 church as you seek to build congregational vitality, work to dismantle structural racism, and eradicate systemic poverty. This is how we all live into hope and set the standard of what it means to follow Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. God, we thank you for your word that has gone forth, and we recognize that it does exactly what it accomplishes. So as we recommit and dedicate ourselves to you and your purpose, strengthen us, O oh God. In your holy name we pray. Amen.